0: in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Good evening or good morning wherever you are around the world. Last week's episode of the Paracast was certainly a lot of fun. We had Stanton Friedman, who some people call the dean of UFO investigators, and he's the kind of guy who will always stick to his guns. So even though he asked him a few questions about what he does, he basically maintained that he was right. It was very interesting his reaction to James Carrion's book, The Rosetta Deception, especially the question about the ghost rockets being part of this disinformation campaign. He said it was a lot of baloney, but conceded Stan said that he had not read the book I gather he's going to get his copy next week. Now, just to let you know, Carrion has challenged Friedman to a debate, okay? Let me just say, without going into any more details, we're working on it. Let's see if that comes to pass. That's going to be very interesting, of course, because Carrion is also working on a book about Roswell, and you can bet it's not going to be about spaceships. Uh, Probably not. (laughs) You know, there is an Internet rumor running around. They summarize different extreme aspects of Roswell and then claim that a certain number of known political figures, and they specify predominantly Democrats, were allegedly born in 1948, roughly nine months later. They had like 10 or 12 different people. I know some of you might have foreseen this. But without going into detail, I checked the birth dates of every single political figure on there, and only one fell within the roughly nine-month time frame, slightly less by a couple of weeks, and that was Al Gore. So is Al Gore an alien hybrid? Where'd you see that? I'll forward it to you. Oh, geez, I mean slow news day.
2: Let's let's do some serious research here and not go off into the realm of some sort of weird son of Rod Serling approach here. Um, I mean, there's a lot more important things to be focusing our attention on than coming up with these
1: cockamamie
2: <laughs> theories. Man, I'll tell you, idle minds are the devil's playground.
1: I'll tell you it's crazy out there. It's a crazy world. But you know, there are lots and lots of these internet rumors. And they all have this little thing at the bottom saying, please forward this. You know, to protect the world from being destroyed next week. Please support our political point of view, whatever it is. So we had, from one of my friends, this story about Roswell and the... In fact, I'm going to look at it right now. Let me see. Okay, here it is right here. Here are the names of the political figures that were mentioned. Okay? They mentioned Barack Obama Sr., who was born in 1936, by the way. Al Gore. Hillary Rodham, William Clinton, John Kerry, Howard Dean, Nancy Pelosi, Diane Feinstein, Charles Schumer, Barbara Boxer, and Joe Biden. And as I said, the only birthday to coincide was Al Gore. So there you go. Well, I don't know. They all that list sounds like a bunch of zombies to me. Final paragraph. And now you can stop wondering why they support the bill to help illegal aliens. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay. Oh, you should have given me the punchline a little sooner there.
1: You know, it's more fun to wait till we discuss the entire issue before you get the punchline.
2: Okay. It all comes clearly out of focus. Right. Oh, my God. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was funny. You had me. You had me going.
1: Okay. Story coming out the past week that NASA has tested an impossible electric space drive Okay, that uses no propellant and found it works even when it is designed not to. It's called the M drive. It's using an electromagnetic wave to propel this engine. Okay? Now, obviously, it's not going to get you past the speed of light. You're not going to go into warp drive. But this is a serious thing this is a serious development we have a small thread in our forums about it it's a serious thing that appears to involve testing new propulsion systems that supposedly violate the law of physics and we know of course that scotty once said you you know you can't violate the laws of physics
2: no oh. well is, is there some sort of support group for that style of violation
1: I understand there's going to be a special on Fox News about it. That Mm -hmm. really, it's an anti-Christian plot. No. But we're talking about here free energy, I guess. Yeah, well, I'd love to see that. I mean, wouldn't we all? Imagine, of course, it has to operate in areas of low gravity. So in outer space. So you'd still need a way to take off and get spaceborne before you employ the special drive, I suppose. You know, but remember, it's still what thirty-five years away from the time mm. that warp drive will be invented ahead of first contact. That's a Star Trek legend. Yeah. If you saw the film Star Trek: First Contact, I think it's about two thousand fifty. Chris, I won't be here then. Yeah, I'll be lucky to make it that long. I don't know. People live longer now, so it might be very possible we'll still be around. I don't know. Anyway, we're sticking with the UFO meme this week. Don Berliner is joining us. Now, Don has been involved in the UFO field for about three or 400 years, I think. And he worked with NICAP back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. He wrote Crash at Corona with Stanton Friedman and also UFO Briefing Document, The Best Available Evidence. This is a guy who's been there. Yeah. He's done that. As a matter of fact, when we tried to get him on the show first, he was skeptical because he didn't want to preach to the choir, which I understand. But of course, we realize here on the PowerCast that we reach a lot of people who were not inbred into the UFO universe. No. They don't pay attention to this crazy little world of ours, and therefore, they don't know about all that stuff. They basically go back and start over, which I guess isn't kind of unfortunate. It's one of the reasons why we bring in the veterans here, so you get a sense of where they come from, what they've discovered, what they know, and then we can build upon that. You
2: know, because I, I don't have you ever heard of Don uh, doing a radio show? I've, I I can't recall ever hearing him on the air. You know,
1: I do not. We'll have to ask him about that. This may be a first. <laughs> Right. We've had people who come on the Paracast who do not generally do other radio shows. Yeah. You know, like Ted Rowe of NARCAP doesn't do many shows. Jacques Vallet, Richard Haynes of NARCAP. Jerry Clark. Yes, Jerry Clark. I've known him for 40 years. So I think he does it out of pity or something. I'm not sure. (laughs) I know, of course, in the last, what, six years of his life, Jim Mosley, was a frequent guest on the PowerCast. He was, by the way, on the first show, Yeah, along with Brad Steiger, who does go on a lot of shows, by the way. So we do get people who don't go elsewhere, and part of the reason is here is that we challenge them. We don't make their lives easy, and if they really want to be intellectually provocative, if they really want to put their opinions to the test, this is the place to go. I know we're kind of you know, beating our own drum here, but it's also true that so many of these paranormal shows out there, they just say, well, tell me what you saw. And they sit back, and they're lazy, and they don't ask the questions. And so they can get away with anything. And we don't want that here. No. Not at all. So this is going to be interesting, because I'm also going to ask Don about the things over at NICAP, about the rumors that NICAP had been infiltrated by military disinformation agents because of the fact that the first had the CIA, Admiral Hillenkenner was on their board of governors because he was a friend of Donald Kehoe. Anyway, I want to Don-
2: ask about I want to ask about Stephen Greer stealing uh, Don and Antonio is best
1: available evidence briefing
2: document funded by Lawrence Rockefeller.
1: Oh yeah, Don Berliner joining Gene and Chris in the Paracast.
3: Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116.
4: Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at herbalhealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, hootia and metabolic complex, and pro-metabolic, all on sale now. Also, the anti-parasite intestinal freedom and warwood plus complex, plus stevia liquid sweetener and the super enzymes, all on sale for spring at herbalhealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to herbalhealer.com and click on spring specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988. Herbal Healer Academy.
5: The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon hard and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent, 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB Extract, paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise, can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB Extract. It's extremely effective, and it starts working in just days. Visit HBExtract.com to learn more and to read score of testimonials from satisfied customers, and we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866 295 5305 or go to HBExtract.com.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous
1: Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Now, you know, folks, we communicate with Skype for this radio show. So we network with Skype and Chris and I exchange chat messages in Skype. Unfortunately, due to some changes in the Skype network, which is, of course, owned by Microsoft now, when you engage in a group conversation, if you're using an older version like Chris is, you can't see the messages on the screen. So, of course, Chris can try mental telepathy. There's a TV show from Canada called The Listener, where the protagonist, the star of the show, uses mental telepathy to solve crime. So, Chris, you can try mental telepathy. If that doesn't work, Don Berlander had a better idea. What was that, Don? Smoke signals. Well, of course, Chris, you're an honorary member of an Indian tribe or something, right? Uh, not really. Um, yeah, I, I always just end up problem. burning the blanket. Is that what it is? I, I haven't figured out
2: how to how to do that properly. I, I, the blanket catches on fire.
6: Well, use somebody else's blanket.
2: Yeah. Yeah, good, good one. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Don. Uh, I, You know, your name crops up occasionally. You're one of those kind of under-the-radar under, under the radar kind of guys. Uh, of course, I'm very familiar with your best available evidence document that you co-wrote with Antonio Junius under the auspices of a Lawrence Rockefeller grant back in the mid-90s. I want to talk about uh, a little later uh, in the show. But uh, welcome to the Paracast. It's uh, an honor to have you on here.
6: Well, thank you very much.
1: Now, when I look up your background, you go back to the 60s when you worked for several years with NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, of course, that was headed up by Major Donald Kehoe. How did you get involved or interested in UFOs?
6: Oh, boy. It goes all the way back <laughs> to World War II. I was tempted to say one, but that's overdoing it. Uh, well, they
1: say that about me. Okay. But actually, they say the Revolutionary War was a little bit too late for me. I was too old to participate.
6: It was a good one, though. Uh, I lived in an area in central Ohio where there's a great deal of aviation activity. And I became an amateur airplane spotter. I could identify everything that flew overhead, or so I thought. And start hearing reports coming back from the fighting fronts of things that nobody could explain, the Foo Fighters. And that's what triggered my interest. I found Foo Fighters to be personally insulting. Uh, I was supposed to be able to figure out what they were, but I couldn't. And so uh, I didn't. I first got involved in the field uh, in 1952. Uh, i just gotten out of the Air Force, was waiting to get back into college, and got together with a local newspaper reporter who suggested that I try to worm my way into the Ground Observer Corps Filter Center. And since it was directly across the street from my dad's public accounting office where I was working waiting to get back into school. I just walked over there one lunchtime, fast talked the airman third class at the door, and he fell for my line of nonsense. Well actually (laughs) it wasn't nonsense. It wasn't (laughs) it wasn't true, but I could quote Air Force regulations and I knew all the slang and all that sort of thing. And he was impressed. And so he showed me where The UFO reports were kept, pointed me to a desk that no one else was using, and walked away. And uh, I kept going back, uh, making notes of the sightings that came into the Ground Observer Corps. In fact, after a while, I talked to the, the latest commanding officer of the place, and he told me that his predecessor had told him, not to file any UFO reports until I'd had a chance to look them over. And I managed to keep a straight face because I had absolutely no authority. But uh, it got got me on the inside of things a little bit, and I liked it. And then later on when I got a job on a newspaper, the city editor found out about my interest. I, I got all the weird phone calls that came into the newsroom and uh, got some good ones, got some good stories out of it. But it wasn't until I moved to Washington in the early 60s and presented myself at the NICAP office and offered to be a volunteer that Richard Hall, who was obviously overworked, was happy to have any kind of help. And I worked my way into it and, and became a full-time employee after a while.
2: Well, well Don, you mentioned your earliest, uh, I guess, involvement in in your knowledge of UFOs uh, were the Foo Fighters. Now, Foo Fighters are a subject that you don't hear very many ufologists, if you want to call them that, and I, I do know you <laughs> take exception to that term, as I do, but yeah. people who are interested in the subject of you know, unexplained aerial phenomenon, UAPs, uh, if you will, don't normally talk about Foo Fighters. Uh, it's, it's almost a taboo subject. It's almost a mm-hmm. black hole in our knowledge of what these craft are, and the number of sightings of these objects. What do you think the Foo Fighters were? How many reports uh, are you aware of? And was this something that only was affecting Allied uh, bomber flights and and aerial activity, or was this something that was also impacting uh, the Axis powers?
6: Well, take the last one first. I've read a lot of rumors and reports that uh, German and Japanese and Italian pilots encountered them. I've never seen anything documented, but uh, I know Kehoe uh, was convinced that uh, enemy pilots had seen these things too, and, and it wouldn't be surprising, but I've, I've never seen anything really convincing on the subject. As far as how many there were, certainly in the hundreds, uh, we had vast numbers of aircraft over Western Europe in the last year of World War II. Uh, And these pilots and and other crew members were expert observers. They had been trained in the instant identification of friendly and unfriendly airplanes. And a lot of them saved lives by recognizing a German airplane uh, that it was about to shoot them down, but uh, they had time to evade it. And and also saved lives of American pilots uh, who might have been shot down by our people if they hadn't been recognized as flying our airplanes. So these were sharp people, and they were trained, and they were retested and retested, so they were always current. As far as what they were, I consider them proto UFOs.
1: Proto. Uh, Let me ask about that. Proto UFOs. Leading to.
6: UFOs. They weren't, we didn't see objects. We saw just large, close in lights. Uh, but they were sufficiently mysterious and never explained, really, that uh, they sh- should be under the, the UFO or UAP heading, I think. And uh, the explanations that the military gave for them were pretty pathetic. Uh, the mere fact that they allowed war correspondents to write about them suggest that they weren't ours.
1: We've got Don Berliner is joining Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast.
7: Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN.
8: Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the Earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and affording phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free.
12: How's
11: your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision and we have the answers. Drinking pure high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of Alka. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com.
13: Do good people ever want to call an attorney just to find out if they're right or wrong? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what are you forced to think about first? Money. If you could call as often as you wanted and talk as long as you need without a bill, would you call? Worry less and live more with LSProtection.com. That's LSProtection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283.
12: Results will vary from case to case.
14: This is Jacques Vallée, you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: Don Berliner is joining the Paracast with Gene and Chris. We were talking about the Foo Fighters, and I want to get also into the Ghost Rockets, because they're kind of looked at as similar things happening at similar times. But with ghost rockets, you actually saw physical craft, right?
6: Yeah, actually, they were quite different. Uh, the Foo Fighters were limited to the latter part of 1944 and into 1945. Uh, and as far as I can tell, they were seen only over enemy-occupied territory. Uh, as we were moving across Europe, freeing countries, uh, they, they seemed to move ahead of us. Uh, The ghost rockets were seen primarily over Sweden in 1946, after the war, and only for two or three months. And they were seen mainly in the date at time. Uh, They were cylindrical like rockets, but they flew low and slow and silently, which rockets do not do. The Swedes at first were quite open about it, the Swedish government. Then they clamped down secrecy. Uh, But they seemed serious about it, finding out what they were. The general feeling seems to have been that they could have been improved versions of German rockets and missiles that were developed at the secret test base at Pinamunda on the. shore of the Baltic Sea and improved by the Soviets who took over that part of Germany. Uh, that turned out to be not the case, but uh, they, uh, they flew, and some of them crashed into lakes, of all things. As uh, far as I know, they never found anything, and they were, like the Foo Fighters, completely unexplained, but they, they were visually quite different.
1: All right. Are you familiar with a gentleman by the name of James Carrion? Yeah. Okay. He was, of course, for a while, the international director of MUFON. Right. He he has a book out now called The Rosetta Deception, which basically refers to a group of people engaged in smoke and mirrors and disinformation, in large part to spook the Russians in the early days of the Cold War. And he suggests the ghosts... Rockets were part of that deception.
6: Well, (laughs) uh, I wonder if the Swedes would even have gone along with that sort of thing. Uh, They were neutral and very proud of it and very defensive about it. And so, uh, uh, obviously, I don't know. I think Karian's ideas, what little I've read about them, overall are hogwash. I've interviewed enough military pilots and airline pilots to know that they they saw things. Same with radar operators. They tracked things. Uh, if it were a, a put-up job, it would have had to involve an awful lot of people, and everyone added to the list is a potential leaker. Uh, old saying in, in the spying business, the only way to keep a secret is to keep everybody else from knowing about it. You know, One person can keep the secret, two maybe not. And if you have thousands of people involved, uh, it's, to me, inconceivable that a secret could be kept. And there are so many otherwise very reputable people who have had close-range daylight sightings, frequently confirmed by radar, that they would have had to be in on the the hoax, uh, for to, to hold up. And, uh, you see, I've been told about sightings by people I've known for years and years and years, uh, beyond the time I was busily involved in the field and they had no point to tell me a, a wild story. They just weren't people like that. I'd known, known their behavior. So I, I, I I don't know. I haven't read his book. Uh, It's not very high on my list of books to read. So I, I don't know much about what he's saying and probably won't.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Let's just move further into the UFO history in which you were involved as an investigator. Okay, you went to work with NICAP in the 60s. Now, this actually extends... From Carrion's book in a sense, because one of the participants of this Rosetta deception was supposedly Rear Admiral R. H. Hillencotter, who became the first head of the CIA. Mm-hmm. And then after NICAP was formed, he was a member of the Board of Governors. He was a classmate oh, yeah. of Major Kehoe's. Did you know Admiral Hillencotter at all?
6: No, I didn't. Uh, he had resigned from NICAP, apparently under pressure, but not proven. Uh, before I got there
1: you say under pressure how so well
6: his public statements backing Kehoe's position could not have been very popular with high-ranking people in the Pentagon Uh, made them look bad and so uh, it it was suspected that he had been talked into keeping quiet shall we say Uh, whether he was given Leaked classified information to encourage him to shut up? I don't know. That's one way of doing it. But uh, uh, he was very, very helpful at first. An old friend of Kehoe's, they were Naval Academy classmates. And uh, his public statements were a significant part of NICAP's growth. People believed him.
1: So I you think maybe that his colleagues in the military said this is not good it doesn't look good be a gentleman be a patriot and shut up
6: well this certainly can be said and i can see where people have been shut up by what they thought was being let in on the real secret but which wasn't true anyway uh people in the secrecy business uh seemed to be awfully impressed by the whole thing uh i on the other hand didn't think much of it i handled classified information when i was in the air force and it was a joke Uh, mainly i worked in communications and i had a top secret clearance and the only top secret communications we got were battlefield reports from korea and i had to hand carry those over to the the commanding officer, and I naturally took a look at them, and as a rule, they ran three to four days behind the wire services. Uh, That's no way to keep secrets. (laughs) That's no way to be impressed by material that you think is deserving of secrecy. Uh, The reports I took over there were public knowledge, and so... uh, I didn't spill anything, certainly. Uh, I had respect for the system in that sense. Uh, And also, I could have been caught at it. But uh, uh, the people who have high clearances uh, are usually a bit in awe of the system. Uh, The Washington Post recently mentioned that they estimate that 850,000 Americans have top-secret clearances. Uh, I think that's kind of risky. Uh, somebody is going to blab. Well, somebody does every so often. But uh, uh, we were talking about Helen Cutter. Uh, I wish I had known him for my sake. Not necessarily his. But uh, and see, he was uh, out of NICAP by the time I got there.
1: All right, I'm going to want to ask you also about the feeling on the part of some people about NICAP that because the Board of Governors was so heavily laden with military or ex-military people, they felt it was maybe some kind of disinformation. I mean, you have a lot of paranoia going on in the field then and now. But let's break, and then we'll get more into this. Don Berliner is joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. (laughs)
7: Listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received
0: by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space.
12: I didn't believe it. Neither did I. No way could you professionally remove unwanted hair, pain-free, and at home. My thoughts exactly. Remove my face and body hair without expensive, painful office visits? Not possible. Great minds think alike. Until I tried No-No Pro. Mm Mm-hmm. Wait, you tried No-No? Yes, and it works. I use it on my face, legs, bikini line. We're BFFs, and you didn't tell me about No-No? Here, this is my new No-No Pro. The most powerful No-No made. Custom treatment levels, less hair and less time, perfect for any skin type. Try it. No hair, no pain, no time- consuming expensive office visits? No. No. And no-no.
4: For a limited time, you can try No-No Pro risk-free. You'll also get the facial kit and a travel case. Get weeks of long-lasting results. That's
12: it. I'm getting a no now. Great minds do think alike.
4: <laughs> try no Pro risk-free by calling 800-952-5760. 800-952-5760. That's 800-952-5760. 800-952-5760.
14: Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the
8: Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri?
1: We have Don Berliner joining us. He has a long and storied career in UFO research. He worked at NICAP back in the 1960s. So, Don, you, of course, heard those stories, those rumors that... NICAP had too many military connections.
6: We knew that at least one NICAP board member, whom we thought was Air Force, was CIA. But see, what people miss in general is that the NICAP board might as well not have existed. There was a stretch of something like 10 years where the board never had a meeting. Hey, nobody was going to tell Kehoe how to run things. He used board members' uh, when they gave him good quotes. But other than that, they were just nominal. Uh, and they say he was uh, pretty headstrong, but also pretty bright, and uh, he ran things.
1: So basically here, having those people on the board was done for publicity purposes, not because they could contribute anything.
6: No, they, they, they were expected to contribute, and a lot of them did. But as a board, they didn't meet to make decisions.
1: It was all Kehoe.
6: Yeah. Well, (laughs) he thought so. Kehoe lived 100 miles away in Luray, Virginia. And he came in about once a month for a couple of days and rushed around like crazy. I've never seen anybody with such energy. And uh, laid down lots of plans and ideas and then went home. And uh, we went back to the way we were doing business before he got there.
1: So basically Uh, Richard Hall was the guy in charge. Yeah, yeah. Very, very sharp guy.
6: Uh, A real intellectual. Had tremendous respect for the scientific method. Uh, If I have any of that, I owe it to him. And uh, most of the things we did were his
1: ideas. Now... I understand one of the complaints I heard from another researcher that we've had on the show, the complaints is that Kehoe was not such a good manager, I guess partly because he was seldom there, and therefore things really didn't get organized as well as they should. The money issues were not handled in the way they should be to keep the organization properly funded. What's your feeling?
6: Sounds like you had interviewed me before. (laughs) Uh, I agree with most of that. We didn't have an organization director who was not concerned with the subject matter, but just with organizational matters. Uh, we didn't have a business manager. Uh, Kehoe tried to do all of that. I tried to help a little bit in keeping track of the finances because I had a degree in accounting, but, uh, I certainly wasn't in position to make policy, and those of us who really did the work were there because we wanted to see NICAP's aims achieved, and we could have charged more for memberships. We could have doubled the price of the UFO evidence report and probably sold just as many, but we had nobody looking at things from that standpoint. And so we struggled financially. And uh, how much more we could have accomplished if we'd had, well, somebody concerned strictly with working with the press and doing nothing else, Uh, somebody, say a business manager, an organization manager, uh, but we didn't. Uh, And so uh, we had far more members than any other organization. We probably could have had twice as many, but uh, we just didn't go about it that way. I I wish we had, but I I don't know if we could have accomplished a whole lot more.
1: Okay, now one of the things Kehoe talked about for many years was the existence in the military or somewhere in the government of a silence group that kept the UFO secret. But, of course, earlier you were telling us that a secret in the hands of too many people is going to leak like a sieve. Mm -hmm. So do you think the government has some guilty knowledge of what UFOs really are, that they're keeping a secret, or are they as confused as the rest of us?
6: (laughs) I hope they've learned something over more than half a century. Uh, They've had plenty of opportunities. Uh, They may still not know enough to feel confident in going public. Uh, but that's just a guess. Uh, I'm afraid I don't know much more about what the government has been up to than anybody else. I wish I did. That's the book I'd love to write, but I I don't know who to talk to. So, uh, but we got leaks as it was, we got very quiet support from people in the government. Uh, The only obvious one, we had a a young volunteer who was an enlisted man in the Air Force, and he was a driver. And after he dropped the general off in the morning at whatever meeting he was attending, he drove over to NICAP and helped us as a volunteer, filing stuff and pasting up clippings and whatnot. Uh, I'm certain the general knew about it. Uh, but then uh, they say, we, we got leaks, and uh, we made use of them when we could, when we could do it without endangering the leaker. But uh, it took more than the collection of talents we had at NICAP. Uh, we were in better position than anyone else has been, I think. We had people who knew how Washington works, uh, how to get things done on Capitol Hill, and we came very close to Congressional hearings on more than one occasion. Right. But uh, never.
2: Well, well, Don, for some of our, our younger listeners and, and possibly some of our listeners who are really have no clue about NICAP, because we are we are going back uh, quite a number of decades here. Why don't you give us a bit of an idea of what Keough's original mandate was and how effective NICAP was with that mandate and what ultimately
6: went wrong? Well. Peeho was not the founder of NICAP. Uh, there was a group of men who have since been referred to as misguided visionaries, uh, headed up by Townsend Brown, who was big on anti-gravity research. Uh, they started it. They had Their initial capital was very quickly used up buying impressive office f- furniture and fittings to impress people that came in the door. And before they went belly up, they grabbed Kehoe. I think he was actually a member of their board. And he took over. And they disappeared. And Kehoe established his position with his first article in True magazine in the January 1950 issue that the flying saucers, as they were called then, were alien craft and that the government knew it and was keeping what they knew secret. And the drive was to convince people that Tiho's conclusions were correct. And uh, along the way, we picked up a lot of impressive support for it. What we accomplished in the long run is uh, a little harder to pinpoint. Uh, and They say we came close to getting congressional hearings. Uh, in 64, we published The UFO evidence report and the initial printing was 5,000 we sold that out in short order went to a second printing of 5,000 and on the back cover of the second printing were quotes mainly from congressmen and senators who had been impressed by the by the book by the report people paid attention they and congressmen and senators among others were not afraid to say so publicly. I think a, a major achievement, probably, though, was getting the ear of the mainstream press. When things happened, we, were, we would be inundated with calls, uh, not just from local papers and weeklies and such, but from wire services and networks. One day in the main office, which is Halls, he was at one end of the office being interviewed by a, CBS TV crew I was at the other end being questioned by a newly elected congressman who was also a full professor of aeronautical engineering at a major university uh, and that sort of thing went on all the time uh, the press after a while started to trust us uh, we were helped along by a bunch by the lunatic fringe which was so obvious, uh, we were helped along by the Air Force, which kept putting out the same old story, and each time it would lose a little more of its impact.
1: I'll tell you uh, what, we have to listen to the impact of these announcements, and we'll be back with Don Berliner and Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast
7: minds think alike the network for the independent minded the genesis communications network g c n
9: do you ever feel like you live in an alternate universe as the stock market hits new highs, the middle class are dying. Manipulated financial markets and economic figures, chaos on our border, China and Russia bypassing the dollar. Life is getting ready to change. You need to prepare to thrive in the new economy. Go to BabyBoomerBackupPlan.com or call 888-507-8789. That's 888-507-8789.
14: We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed string
15: There's a guy named Dr. Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor. Both a veterinarian and a naturopathic physician, Doc asks, why is this country spending more money on health care by far and ranking 50th in health and longevity worldwide? Doc believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attaining optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic pharmaceutical drugs that lead to side effects that require more expensive and toxic pharmaceutical drugs. Talk about being dependent on drug companies to our own destruction, No. Less. This is clearly a deadly recipe. Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the government and big pharma manipulation of our health and healthcare system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about healthcare, and I've joined forces with him to help this tireless crusader spread his message. Visit BrightsideBen.com and listen to Doc Wallach's deadly recipe lectures. It makes a lot of sense, and I invite you to join our BrightsideBen team. Go to BrightsideBen.com. That's www.brightsideben.com
0: welcome back to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now here's jane steinberg
1: don we're going to want to cover a lot more subjects than just NICAP, so let me speed this up with a few concerns here so we don't see that today at all. We don't see that MUFON, for example, is conducting daily interviews. They just have that TV reality show about which the less said to better. But we don't have that kind of reaction from the media as we did in the 60s. Then it was new and different. Now we're all old and jaded. You do see occasional coverage on local TV shows of a UFO event, but it mm-hmm. just disappears.
6: Yeah, yeah. I'm particularly interested in that because uh, that's my background. The press, newspapers, scientific newsletters, all sorts of stuff. And uh, that concerns me greatly. But, number one, we're not getting leads to potentially hot cases. You look at, at Peter Davenport's website, for instance, and you look at the the latest reports. They're meaningless. You don't know anything about the, the source, uh, except more and more of them are absolutely anonymous, means you can't follow up. But it's just vague reports of funny lights in the night sky. That's not news. Close up sighting by a 20 year veteran airline captain, that's another matter. But we're not getting those. They may not be happening. Or they may be happening, and they aren't being reported. Uh, I don't know. Uh, But uh, we used to get newsworthy sightings almost daily, in in the really busy times, at least. And so uh, a reporter calling us and asking us what's new got something. He got stories. And uh, a NICAP-like organization today couldn't do that. Uh, You have to have good investigation before a report becomes meaningful. And I don't see much of that going on.
1: So let me Uh, ask you a real key question that kind of follows from that. Are we seeing as many UFOs today as we did then, or is it just a matter of the fact that fewer instances happen, Or is it that just people are more or less discouraged from talking about it?
6: (laughs) I wish I had a simple answer. Uh, I don't. Uh, The two organizations that publicly collect sightings, that's Davenport's group and MUFON, are getting a lot of reports. Not good ones, but at least numbers. Uh, Whether there are more or less sightings, I don't know. Uh, we never got hundreds of sightings at NICAP, but we got quality sightings uh it got up to fifteen to eighteen a day for a while in the very busy times. But see, we didn't have access to email and the internet. Uh, I shudder to think how many we would have gotten if that had been the case. I don't think we could have handled it
1: well, that but, would almost argue in favor of there being more cases because it's easier for people to report it. And the fact is, there aren't. But still, occasionally, you run into a case that seems fairly compelling. So it's not as if the UFOs have left us.
6: Well, uh, whether or not there are more cases, or we're merely hearing about a different percentage of them. See, uh, back in the 60s, there were two organizations that you could report to, Re- organizations that were widely respected, the Air Force and ICAP. Uh, today, the average person doesn't have the faintest idea who to report a sighting to. Yeah. He may yeah, go they, on they, the Internet, in which case he will be overwhelmed with worthless UFO sights uh, and probably give up. I I once got a call from a guy who had worked for the FAA for 40 years, still worked for them. He and his wife had had a sighting from their private plane up near Camp David, the presidential retreat. And he said he had spent all morning trying to find somebody who would listen to him. Now this is a guy who knew how Washington operated, who, who to call. And he happened to call the library of the National Air and Space Museum, which had to be desperation, and whoever he talked to knew of my interest. He called me and we went on from there. It was a good daylight sighting by a good witness. But I suspect that most people don't know to whom to report a sighting. Uh, there's always been a great reluctance to report, afraid of ridicule. This goes for the average Joe and for a congressman. Well, or maybe average Joe should be above them. But uh the, the more important a, a person's reputation is to them, the the greater the hesitation to report. Yeah the less likely they are to report yeah. it. Well you mentioned I want your to, I once asked Keho what he would do if he had a sighting. He said he wouldn't dream of reporting it. <laughs> he said, who's going to believe me? Really? And,
2: that source from the FAA, if you call the FAA today with a, you know, let's say a quality uh, daylight sighting, they refer you on to uh, Bigelow Aerospace in Las Vegas, Robert Bigelow's uh, yeah, organization.
6: Oh, I, I know Bigelow.
2: Uh, well, we, that's that's where the FAA is telling people to uh to call and report in uh, their sightings. What do you think of uh, Bigelow's involvement in vacuum cleaning up sighting reports and and especially quality ones, landed objects, uh, good daylight sightings? Have you followed his uh, particular uh, saga
6: over the last Uh, 20 years? Only the beginning of it, which is a number of years ago. Uh, I don't know what he does with reports, whether he has people to investigate them uh, whether he publishes re- analyses of, of sightings, I, I had, have no idea. But what? I was part of a briefly active organization called the UFO Research Coalition. Uh, it brought under an umbrella the Fund for UFO Research, MUFON, and the Heinrich Center for UFO Studies. The idea being that. Together, we could work on bigger projects, and it worked for a while, but then uh, the money came from Bigelow, and we decided what to work on. It was a a reasonable division of labor, because we knew the field, and he didn't, but then he decided that he knew more than we did. He would have veto power over anything we wanted to do, and that was the end of it, but uh, he had some strange ideas. Or ideas that we didn't get along with.
2: Well, could you give us uh, some, for instances, there?
6: Oh, he got into something he called. Oh, gee, I can't even think of it. Consciousness, survival. How the human conscious conscience or conscious survives death, and a lot of these things working together could do big stuff. Uh, it wasn't clear then and it's less clear to me now but uh pretty far out ideas and we were all pretty much nuts and bolts types and so uh
2: but, it yeah, was but a where, where's that- the connection uh, between consciousness studies and ufos i think it's an interesting it's an interesting possibility but what could you glean from his interest in these, um, you know, rather out there subjects as they relate to UFOs? I, I don't see the connection.
6: I don't either. And and the, the coalition board didn't either. But he wanted these uh, subjects to be investigated and for us to be involved in it. And it just didn't work. Uh, we averaged 15, 20 years experience in the UFO field. And uh, we were there only because he needed our experience and whatever wisdom resulted from it. Uh, and so when he changed the, the rules, uh, we lost interest.
1: Let's do our break now, and then we'll get back to this. Don that's yeah, Berl- interesting. Oh, it's fascinating possibilities here. Don Berliner is with Gene and Chris. You're in. The Paracast. <laughs>
14: quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. Treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at $11 trillion, gold trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded $16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The $20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance.
16: Hey everybody, Jason Lewis here with another great idea from JasonLewisTeam.com. Now, how would you like an energy drink that's actually good for you? That's right, one that not only gives you an afternoon pick-me-up, but that's loaded with the most important antioxidants for reducing the damage from stress. It's called Pollen Burst, and it's a natural burst of energy that lasts for hours. Now, most energy drinks rely on a massive dose of caffeine, sugar, or even vitamin B. Pollen Burst takes a more balanced approach, and that's why I like it. I also love the fact that Pollen Burst has plenty of vitamin D and green tea extract. This is the best energy drink I've ever tried. So trust me, you'll not only like it better than the others, you'll love the way it's individually packaged for freshness as well. They've got these on-the-go stick packs. They're great. Pollen Burst. It's available at jasonlewisteam.com or simply call one 310 team For a natural burst of energy, it's Pollen Burst at jasonlewisteam.com or one 310 team It's the heart of summer
7: across America. Thoughts turn to childhood and long days of fun. Everybody would love to feel like a kid again. And HB Extract can be a vital tool in your battle to stay vibrant and young as it supports healthy blood pressure and circulation while balancing cholesterol. GCN and longtime sponsor HB Extract want to help keep your heart healthy with the 30 bottles, 30 days summer giveaway. Enter to win by visiting GCNlive.com between now and August 29th and click on the contest banner in the top left corner of the page HB Extract has helped tens of thousands of people worldwide feel good again and they've done it with HB Extract's exclusive formula of wild crafted and organic herbs. Here's to you enjoying many more long warm and fun filled summers free of pain and sickness. Visit GCNlive.com and enter to win in the 30 bottle 30 day summer giveaway with HB Extract A healthy heart is a happy heart Sign up now at GCNlive.com
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: Don Browner joining Jean and Chris in the Paracast, as you see, he's been involved in UFO research for many, many years. We're talking of course about the connections between Bigelow. Every time people get connected with Bigelow there are always terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean saw famously what happened with MuFon. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it just didn't work for us
6: and so we parted company not on the best of terms but parted company.
2: Well, you and... give us a time frame, Don? Uh, are we talking 93-94? Uh
6: Oh boy. Uh Something like that. Well, let's see. Uh, when did the best available evidence come out?
2: I think that was 94, wasn't it? Or okay, 95? It's a little before that. Okay, so 93,
6: 94. How long in there?
2: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Bigelow's name, of course, has come up in, in many uh, different ways. Um, most notably, of course, is the uh, Sherman Ranch up in the Uinta Basin of Utah. Mm-hmm. that George Knapp and Colm Kelleher wrote a book called uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker. And some of the papers that NIDS, the National Institute for Discovery Sciences, published uh, in the late 90s, which were actually uh, in, into the early 2000s, they did publish some interesting papers. Uh, nothing that really, I think, dealt with the UFO subject in general uh, they were focusing, let's say, on the Montana waves or or black triangles or you know, specific uh, unexplained livestock death cases and, and whatnot. Someone like a Bigelow, do you think that they have a responsibility to publish uh, information or do you think this whole idea of proprietary information and, and, and the privacy of, of data is one that that he can stand behind and, and not present any sort of papers uh, to the public or, or present any sort of data at all.
6: Well, I mean, it, it, it's his money. Uh, yeah. He can do pretty much what he wants with it. I would like to see more publication, investigations of UFO reports. I don't know why he would want to sit on that. But there you, you can't tell him that he has to do it uh, because he doesn't. So uh, we didn't run into that problem. Uh, While we were working with him, uh, we decided what would be published, and it was published. Uh, He didn't. Uh, But uh, I I can see where he may be looking for advanced technology ideas that he can use in Bigelow Aerospace, Mm -hmm. and he certainly wouldn't want those to be publicized where other companies could get their hands on them. But as far as just UFO sightings are concerned, uh, I don't know. I I think it's unfortunate, but uh, that's about as far as I can go with it.
2: Well, it seems to me that if you have uh, the Federal Aeronautics Administration uh, funneling sighting reports to a private individual, there should be some sort of accountability there. uh, At least in my mind, Uh, you uh, you can't privatize information. That is uh, gathered or forwarded by some sort of of public, you know, government agency. Yeah, I see what you mean. Or administration. My my point right. being, if he's collecting, you know, gobs of data uh, through the FAA through a pilot reports that sort of thing. Ted Rowe and Richard Haynes uh, should be should be involved in that loop. Mm-hmm. He should be at least reporting the kinds of citing reports uh, that are forwarded by the FAA uh, back to the organizations that represent the people. Well, and and, yeah, and that, I, that's something I, I think is
6: important. Yeah, uh, I disagree on this point. I don't think he's, that the FAA is forwarding reports or information. I think they're merely referring reporters, witnesses, say, don't bother us with this, bother Bigelow.
1: So that's basically uh, an excuse. What's that? That's an excuse on their part just to get these people off their backs. Oh, go so. to him instead.
6: Yeah, what What does the FAA have to gain by collecting UFO reports? And so uh, individual FAA employees have had been beneficial to NICAP at times, but as an organization, it wasn't. Uh, we didn't get reports from them. Uh, they may have told people to contact NICAP. I don't know. Uh, but uh, there was no transfer of content of reports from uh, FAA to a private group. Okay. Well, he's,
2: he's got it made in the shade then.
6: <laughs> well, hey, you know, he's got a whole bunch of money, and uh, he likes to spend it on things that amuse him. I probably would if I had it to. But,
1: uh, <laughs> okay, you say amuse him. So is this involvement in paranormal research just sort of a hobby with him, where he's just having a good time playing around with his excess cash? Well, I, I think, I think it started think t- out that
6: way. It may have yeah. developed into more. As I say, uh, with the UFO reports, he may be looking for uh, evidence of advanced technology that he could use. Right. And so because Bigelow Aerospace is a significant part of his operation now. Yeah. And so it started out as a sideline. Uh,
2: uh, well, and there's also the, the factor of, of losing his son at a fairly early age and his obsession with, with uh, attempting to contact him and, and or get involved in consci- consciousness studies with that as the motivation. I, I've heard that from a number of people. Uh-huh. Well, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, uh, well,
6: you know, there's always a reason for something.
2: Yeah, people have to have motivations, especially when they're throwing, you know, six and seven figure budgets at them.
6: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's that's what he was offering the UFO Research Coalition, that kind of money. And uh, Yeah, but with that kind of money,
2: there's strings attached, you know it.
6: (laughs) Well, it wasn't, we didn't even go that far we were so unaccustomed to dealing with money in that such quantities. We, we didn't come up with big projects. We'd never had any reason to, because we knew we couldn't uh, finance them. And so, uh, we kept coming up with small projects worth of, uh, four and five figures. And so, uh, I think we could have learned if things had gone on longer. It only lasted about a year, but, uh, uh, what his true motivations were, uh, he never let on.
2: Yeah, he's, he's he plays things very close to the best. Well, you know, an, a, a project that that really first alerted me to you and your work was the Rockefeller Initiative uh, that that in in, in part uh, ended up becoming the best available evidence, uh, a document that you and Antonio Hunas. Put together, and and when we come back uh, from our next break, it'd be really interesting to uh, hear your um, memory of how that whole initiative uh, began with Bootsy Galbreath and Sandy Wright and others uh, who were involved in this. And it would be great to get your firsthand knowledge of of how that project uh, it was initiated and and the kinds of things that you had to go through to produce that document with Antonio.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll do that right after the break with Don Berliner joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
7: You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by unseennow.com. Lock down your digital life at unseennow.com. This is GCN.
1: Formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if graphic converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy graphic converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for graphic converter. Go to lemkesoft.com. That's L E L-E-M-K-E M K E SOFT.com. L E M K E SOFT.com.
7: This is
17: by popular demand, the Freeze Dry Guy's giant factory authorized sale has been extended. Now through August, save 30 to 45% on number 10 cans of high quality Mountain House freeze dried foods from the Freeze Dry Guy. Now's the time to stock up on all factory fresh stock of the finest, best tasting, longest proven shelf life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45%. But hurry, supplies are limited. So this sale is only through the end of August. Call 866 404 three six six three free shipping to lower 48 states click freeze dry or call eight six six four oh four three six six three that's freeze dry com. hurry the giant factory authorized mountain house sale with savings of 30 to 45 percent is extended through august from the freeze dry guy the finest freeze dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage
18: Question, could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro EM1 daily probiotic cleanse at spelled teraganix.com. Spelled T E R A G A N I X.com. Or call toll free, 866 369 3678. That's 866 369 3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro EM1 from Teraganix. Life's getting better. <laughs>
14: Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast.
1: We have Don Berliner joining us this week with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. Of course, he was involved in this document, UFO briefing document, the best available evidence with our old friend, Antonio Honeus, can you tell us more in response to Chris's question?
6: Yeah, the first contact we had with it was when Mrs. Galbraith contacted one of us, I forget which one, uh, and asked if we could have a special meeting of the board of the UFO Research Coalition. And uh, we got together with her in Chicago. She described her. Activities with Lawrence Rockefeller, how she was directing his investment—well, no, an investment you expect a return. Uh, his spending money on UFO projects. He didn't know the field well enough, and so she, she handled it. And she used as an office. You mentioned the woman's name now. I've forgotten it. Sandy Wright. Sandy Wright. Yeah. She just used her office. And uh, at that meeting, uh, she posed the idea of the best available evidence report. Uh, we liked it. I, had, I agreed to write it at that point. And uh, I never had any contact with Rockefeller in this, uh, not even a phone call. But I worked strictly with uh, Mrs. Galbraith, gradually learning to call her Bootsy which I thought was kind of funny, like talking to somebody's toy poodle, but uh, a very, very bright woman, uh, very talented. And uh, then uh, I handled the, uh, the casebook part of it, and she and Antonio did the quotes from important people. And uh, we printed up a 1,000 copies, and they were distributed by hand to uh, people we felt might be able to do something if sufficiently impressed. Uh, This meant people in government, in the scientific community, in the diplomatic corps, uh, busy people. Uh, And if you look through the book, you see it can be read quickly, piece by piece. Uh, It's not a story. And so uh, uh, we did get close to a 1,000 copies out there, and and some very important people, including heads of state, got their copies uh, from people they knew. Uh, We didn't mail them to them. They get too much as it is and don't see much of it. But uh, Mrs. Galbraith, for instance, uh, knew a number of heads of state uh, from her days at the U.S. Embassy in Paris, where her now late husband was our ambassador. Uh, and so uh, we felt it was a, a rare opportunity to get our ideas out to people who, as I say, could, if impressed, do something about it, make a difference. Well,
2: Stephen uh, Greer was, was one
6: that got a oh, copy of it early on. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, was involved before that. In fact, she had talked to him about it before she talked to us. But apparently every time they discussed it, the price jumped up. And he ended up wanting to put together a whole permanent organization. And what he wanted from Rockefeller was in seven figures. And it was absolutely preposterous.
1: So maybe the greed factor was involved there with Greer's position.
6: Well, I think he wanted to be somebody very important in the field. Uh, well, you know, I mean, uh,
2: he, he preempted the release of the the document by releasing his own version of it and putting his name on it. Oh yeah, I got a copy of that. Well, hey, give us uh, kind of run us through that that scenario and, and how how that happened. I remember at the time. Uh, there were some uh, people that were not very happy about that.
6: <laughs> I was one of them. In fact, yeah, in
2: Antonio uh, as well, and Sandy Wright and others. Well, we
6: hired a very big Washington law firm that put pressure on Greer, and he stopped distributing it. But yeah, you know, what he did, what happened? Sandy Wright gave him, I guess it was a disc of a draft. Of the report not the final and he took it and made some changes in it uh, he kept my name on it otherwise it would have been plagiarism uh, and easy to prove and made it look like it the whole thing was done by his group CSETI uh, which was certainly not the case and they uh, see we had to get uh, the help of a powerful law firm to stop him and uh, uh, Sandy Wright, unfortunately, was involved in that. She got him the copy. What happened? He claimed that he didn't violate our copyright because he only printed up a draft. Well, it seems that his attorney wasn't very good. Turned out she didn't even belong to her local bar association. Uh, <laughs> do Yeah, (laughs) I wouldn't take a fender bender to her, but uh, (laughs) she apparently told him that uh, drafts aren't covered by the eventual copyright of the final version, and that doesn't happen to be the case. I think it was years and years ago, but uh, uh, she had no case, and so he gave in, and so it... uh, I don't know what he's done since then, uh, but uh, I was slipped a copy by somebody who had gotten it from Greer. And,
2: well, uh, he's, he's training ambassadors uh, to the universe. In fact, he has uh, a training coming up this weekend at Joshua Tree
1: for unelected spokespersons uh, to the ETs. I'm trying to get in there. Chris, don't give him too much promotion.
6: <laughs>
1: i agree i agree
6: well let's see don't you get a boarding pass when you go through his course well you have to
2: sign a release form that that you won't hold c setty responsible for anything that happens if
1: you decide to go on board now don't we have a federal trade commission out there that investigates abuses shouldn't they be called in
6: uh probably but They wouldn't want to get involved because it would be embarrassing if it went public. (laughs) So he's got that on his side. But uh, I think anybody who pays him thousands of dollars to go to a training session deserves to lose their money. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to be
2: accused of giggling here uh, (laughs) on our forums. Well, uh, sometimes
6: you have to. But yeah, it, it's Hall so ludicrous. And Rob Switek and I had a long private meeting with Greer when he was just getting started, uh, and he was very impressive, well dressed, well spoken. But one of the things that was on a, a I don't know position paper or something uh, that he kept, he didn't give us copies, but let us read it, was that let's see the. The aliens will not make direct contact with humans until we have achieved permanent world peace. And I challenge anybody to tell me how that's gonna happen.
2: <laughs> yeah.
6: That's how, that's a how do you determine order. you know, if we have absolute world peace for a hundred years, who's to say that the next day somebody isn't gonna start a war? So no such thing as permanent
1: world peace. Well, that's a good excuse. Therefore, the aliens would choose never to land, except for those who claim they have met up with aliens. And what about UFO abductions? And I haven't even asked you about abductions. I want to ask you about that, too. But Mm -hmm. I certainly think we're giving Dr. Greer a little too much publicity here. So we shall not mention it, except, of course, that this event will coincide with the broadcast of the show. So it may be too late anyway. Don Berliner (laughs) is with us. With Gene and Chris, you're in. The Pericast.
7: Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are
1: GCN.
7: A sudden change in the wind, the day grows dark. As ominous clouds move in and lightning begins to carve arcs in the sky, and you realize you are not prepared. The number of intense storms is increasing exponentially in the U.S. Tornadoes, hurricanes, flooding, and droughts are happening with greater magnitude and frequency. If you are choosing to rely on the government to save you, and
19: no one's coming to help them,
7: you could be dead wrong. The first step towards self-reliance in the face of disaster is a visit to my Patriot Supply. Com. There you'll find the absolute best prices on storable foods, non-GMO seeds, emergency water filtration devices, and so much more. All orders over $49 qualify for free shipping in the lower 48. Visit us online or call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. And speak to one of our preparedness advisors today. Remember, before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com.
11: How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy, because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615, 800-518-7615, alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com.
2: Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to The
1: Paracast. With Gene and Chris on The Paracast, I want to bring up some more subjects in the UFO field because obviously we have only five segments left, and let's kind of make them as productive as possible. So, other than the Barney and Betty Hill episode... NICAP really didn't get much into UFO abductions. What about Don Berliner?
6: Well, our problem at NICAP was Kehoe on this. He was a very conservative guy, not only politically but personally. His getting into UFOs doesn't seem to, to follow on, but uh, he was very, very cautious. And he had had enough trouble with the likes of Georgia Adamski and the other contactees on whom we had to spend far too much time. Uh, And he was just terribly suspicious about the Barney and Betty Hill case, to a great extent, because they were a mixed-race couple. And his political conservatism didn't line up with that. But we didn't know what to do with the case. uh, Let's see. NICAP's first knowledge of it came in about 1961, which was before I was there and it didn't go public until John Fuller's book in 66. But uh, I was quite familiar with the story before it went public. And it was so different from the contactee stories, which were in most cases laughable. Uh, Here was a very solid married couple. Uh, Both had good jobs and they did not want the story out. Uh, All and I were the only two people on the staff who knew where the report was hidden. And uh, the mere fact that they had told us to keep it quiet uh, increased our interest considerably. Uh, Other people claiming face-to-face contact with aliens uh, with types to stand on the street corner and, and hand out leaflets. So uh, we couldn't find any reason not to believe them. Uh, but when it, when it first hit, we didn't know what to write on the tab of the, of the folder holding the report. Uh, it was so different. Uh, and we, didn't, we had good investigators on it, in particular, Walt Webb, the what, assistant curator of the planetarium in Boston. Hayden planetarium uh, very very good investigator very hard-headed and everybody who got involved in it was convinced and so uh, uh, we uh, we just hope that we would get more stories like that and be able to make some comparative studies and in fact when we heard that John fuller was writing a book about the Hill's experience. We were concerned because it would make it possible for others to copy the Hill's story. And if the Hill's story had been secret, that would not have been possible. If we got another story, it would have to it would stand on its own. Uh, in fact, I had the very uncomfortable task of asking Fuller to not write the book. Uh, of course he didn't go along with that and I then apologized because even my asking was unethical for a a journalist but uh, we thought it would interfere with future studies Uh, I don't see any sign that it did Uh, but uh, I don't know that Kehoe was ever convinced that such things were happening Uh, he had and they say had too much experience with the old contactees. And so anytime somebody claimed direct contact with aliens, uh, he got very, very nervous uh, and uh, could hardly blame him. But I have done some investigating. Uh, Rob Switek and I did the initial investigation of the two women on the horse farm in Northern Virginia. Uh, no, I think... Their book said they were in Maryland. Anyway, the owner and the manager of a horse farm in the horse country here uh, with a very, very involved story of abductions. And in a case of one of the women involved five generations of her family. Uh, and uh, uh, it was hard to... Uh, Cast serious doubt on something like that. I got to know both both the women, uh, and uh, they just weren't the type to make up such stories. They had nothing to gain by it, and so uh, uh, I am pretty well convinced that such things are happening. I'm not. My big question is: Are people being abducted, or are they somehow being Mentally tricked into thinking they were being abducted, and don't ask me how you do that because I don't know. But uh, it's a uh, abductions are so different; they require such different investigations, long-term investigations. You have to get to know the people. Uh, you have to watch their behavior over an extended period of time. Uh, does it change? Uh, and. Uh, uh, we had a an abduction investigative group in Washington other cities had them as well. They made no attempt to make themselves known they didn't advertise and in no time at all they had more cases than they could cope with. People somehow found out about them and got these amazing stories and uh, uh, some good research has been done some of the first Projects that the fund for UFO research ever funded uh, involved abductions. Uh, one was a double-blind psychological study of eight or nine abductees by a clinical psychologist who had no idea why we had picked those particular people or that uh, abductions were even involved. She was the psychologist was looking for patterns of mental or emotional problems and uh finally concluded after we told her that abductions were involved that uh, she found nothing that would suggest that they were making up stories and hmm, that's so interesting some some good serious work done on abductions uh, dr bullard from indiana university has done some awfully good work uh and uh I, you don't hear much about them now. Yeah. Uh, of course, Bud Hopkins is gone. Uh, Dave Jacobs, I don't know what Dave's doing currently. Uh, so I don't know if people are still having what we call abduction experiences. And if so, are they just keeping it to themselves for personal reasons? Uh, certainly the subject is not in the news.
1: Well, would that mean then that maybe not so many people are having abductions or does that mean that just people who have the experiences don't feel they have an outlet where they could report them?
6: Yeah, just like with sightings. Uh, you never know if what appears to be an increase is real or merely apparent. Uh, are people actually having more experiences or are we're just hearing about a higher percentage of them for some reason. And I don't know how you differentiate. Uh, It's beyond my limited
1: knowledge of psychology. Well, the thing about abductions that bothers me is that they seem to be so frequent. I would think if ET just wanted to take some genetic samples, they could be done pretty painlessly in a much more confined way they wouldn't be doing it year after year with multiple generations of families thousands of people around the world what do you think well
6: the problem is we don't know what they're really trying to accomplish uh if when we first land on another planet that has intelligent beings on it we we might try to do the same thing uh and your hesitancy would be much more applicable to our doing it uh, we don't know anything about alien psychology we, and say we don't know what their goals are uh, it uh, you have to assume that the goals are pretty complicated but I you know we don't even know why certain people are abducted and others aren't
1: We're going to learn other lessons if we don't do this break. Don Berliner is with us. (laughs) With Gene and Chris, you're in. The Paracast.
7: UnseenNow.com. Proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools. Keep your communications secure.
14: G-C-N. Next to water and food, you need a safe, storable fuel supply for your preparedness needs. Spare fuel is the answer. Spare fuel can be used in any gas-powered vehicle or generator. Spare fuel is perfect for any unforeseen out-of-gas emergencies. Unlike gasoline, spare fuel is safe to store with your other supplies, and it can be stored for many years. Go to GetSpareFuel.com for special pricing. That's GetSpareFuel.com.
4: Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at herbalhealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our five hundred parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products, like apple cider vinegar, Hodia and Metabolic Complex, and Pro Metabolic, all on sale now. Also, the anti-parasite intestinal freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus stevia liquid sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy. Same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to herbalhealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene
1: Steinberg. I don't think having these brakes done would increase the possibility of UFO abductions. we haven't really covered the subject in much detail in recent years i think we'll try to set up an abduction roundtable in the near future with current researchers to see what's going on let's move catch as catch can into other subjects and then we'll have questions from our listeners that have been accumulated in our forums at forum.paracast.com. roswell we worked on that case with of course stanton friedman Mm -hmm. after all these years will we ever get any answers or is it too late Oh, boy. Yeah. Where do you get these questions?
6: You're supposed to ask questions that I can answer. That's not the fun of I it, though. I certainly hope we get something. Uh, there have to be some records. Uh, we've seen nothing in the way of official documentation concerning Roswell. It's not in the Blue Book files because it was determined to be not a UFO case. Uh, and so uh, there's a... Pretty sneaky way of getting out of it, but they did it, and so uh, it's certainly the most thoroughly investigated case on the record. It has, has more witnesses and people claiming to be witnesses than just about any other case. I got to know some of the witnesses, uh, Dr. Jesse Marcel in particular, and I found him extremely Impressive, stuck to his guns, did not elaborate, didn't claim to know who was involved, uh, never claimed to have seen bodies, just uh, the bits of wreckage that his father showed him. And that happened in a reasonable way. Uh, his father being the intelligence officer at Roswell Army Airfield. Uh, and so, uh, uh, also, uh, Walter Haught, who had been the public information officer at Roswell back in 47 and, and put out the news release describing uh, what became uh, the Roswell crash. So there were some some good people involved. Uh, there were also some highly questionable ones. And some investigators have tried much too hard to turn casual observers into Witnesses, myself included. I told a Roswell investigator that I had heard the radio report of the discovery of crash material, and I suddenly became a witness. Well, there were thousands of people who heard the radio broadcast. It was unnetworked. Uh, That doesn't make us witnesses to anything. Uh, And so... uh, Uh, it has assumed a life of its own, I suppose you could say, but it is potentially the most important case ever. But, uh, say there's no documentary evidence, uh, all the claims of scraps of wreckage of debris have turned out to be nothing. Uh, most of them were obviously nothing from the start, uh, but, uh, I, don't, I haven't done anything on it in years because I don't see much hope for getting any great revelations from previously unknown witnesses. Uh, and so uh, if somebody can come up with an actual piece of debris that will withstand laboratory tests, and we can find a laboratory that will sign its name to a, a test report, may have something. That would be nice. Uh, but uh, I don't see that happening.
1: Now, let well, me ask you something here specific to the Roswell case. The other day, I talked with a gentleman by the name of Kenneth Letcher, and he lives in Roswell, and he was acquainted with the late Don Dwyer, who was one of the firemen involved in the Roswell case. And Okay. It apparently was his ex-father-in-law. And he told me that Don told him before he died back in the late 50s, that he saw several bodies in connection with the Roswell recovery. Do you know anything about that?
6: Not that specific claim, but certainly I've heard other claims of people having seen bodies. Well, uh, Walter Haught, the public information officer of the airbase, uh, left a deathbed confession stating that he had seen bodies. He been taken out to Hangar 84 or something at what is now Roswell Municipal Airport uh, and was shown the great bulk of the wreckage and he saw more than one body. Uh, And so uh, and I tend to, to accept the deathbed confession from someone I got to know well and, and got to trust. Uh, but uh, he wouldn't say that publicly while he was alive. And uh, others uh, have claimed similar things. Uh, apparently, the sheriff in Roswell saw more than he talked about because uh, I got to know one of his daughters, and she said that, Whatever he saw scared the daylights out of him. That's not a direct quote it's a paraphrase, but uh, really shook him up and, and bothered him for the rest of his life. Well, I don't think some scraps of metal would have done that, unless he was a brilliant metallurgist and could analyze them <laughs> on sight. Uh, but you don't have to know much to be able to recognize non-human humanoids. Uh, and so, uh, there's reason to believe that, uh, a number of people saw bodies, but they couldn't prove it. You know, uh, before you go out and make a public statement and open yourself up to awkward questions, you better have something to back your, your statements up with. Yeah, And, uh, I think this is true with an awful lot of ex-government, especially ex-military people. They've had experiences, but don't think
1: they can convince people.
6: And who likes to be laughed at other than stand-up
2: comedians? Or open yourself up for a world of ridicule.
1: Before we get to listener questions, I just want to make one quick comment. I think part of the problem also with doing Roswell research is that many of the witnesses were contacted, what, at least 30 years after the event and their memories are being influenced by popular culture, by just the fact that people remember things in a different way over time, didn't that make the investigation all that more difficult?
6: Oh, absolutely. Uh, When General Ramey, the commanding general of the uh, 8th Air Force, which included Roswell Army Airfield, told a press conference that uh, what was recovered from the debris field was remains of a weather balloon. The press bought it, and uh, most people who read reports in the newspapers and heard them on the radio also bought it. Uh, he was a general, and our air force had done a wonderful job in helping to win a recent war. So these guys were sharp, uh, but uh, you know we didn't we didn't pay any attention to Roswell after that. Uh, From Ramey's press conference in early July of 1947 until the story came out, uh, man, I can't even think of names, Bill Moore and the linguist. Charles Berlitz. Berlitz, yeah. Uh, When their book came out, that was the first anybody outside of a very select few, uh, even thought about Roswell. We accepted the the Army's uh, explanation. And so uh, nobody investigated other than, well, mainly Friedman and some help, help from Moore. Uh, and Friedman wasn't all that convinced initially.
1: Well, he sure changed his tune over the years. Let's get into all this in much more detail in our next segment with Don Berliner, joining Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out
18: Adam Miller here with Midas Resources. Today, August 8th, 2014, gold opened at 1313.40. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1360.104, 680.52 for half ounce, or 340.26 for quarter ounce. That's 1360.104, 680.52, and 340.26.
14: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase and there's no end to this madness that old 401k and ira can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences i explained this in my book 10 reasons to buy gold don't let time slip away call for your free copy today 800-686-2237 get away from that washington spin and get honest answers about gold 800-686-2237 the book is free 800-686-2237
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at
1: forum.theparacast.com. As you say, Don Berliner, San Friedman didn't get too serious about Roswell at first. What made him change his tune?
6: Well, let's see. The first time, to my knowledge, that he paid any attention to it, he was in Louisiana to give a talk at Louisiana State University, I think. One of those schools down there. And he had gotten himself an interview on a TV station to publicize his talk. And when it was over, I think it was the manager of the TV station and Stan having coffee and chatting, and this guy tells him that if you really want to get the story on this, you want to talk to Jesse Marcel, Sr. He's a ham radio buddy of mine, uh, lives in Homer, Louisiana, and he handled wreckage of this thing. Well, Stan said he wasn't impressed by that. He'd heard equally preposterous stories before, but he did a little checking, got Bill Moore into it, and they determined that Major Marcel had been the intelligence officer at Roswell Army Airfield and in position to know what happened. Uh, And so uh, he talked to Marcel, uh, was impressed by what the guy said, not totally convinced. Uh, Whatever Friedman's problems are, he's a heck of an interviewer and investigator. And so uh, little by little, he became convinced that this was a big, big piece of the puzzle. And so he went into it uh, and just kept going. I guess he's probably still working on it. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I think there less, are fewer and fewer witnesses left. I, yeah, I think he's you know, less all, involved in the almost case. Almost all of the main ones were gone before anybody knew it was a story. Right. And uh, that's, that's a problem. Sure, sure, but we did uh, get to talk to Marcel Jr. and to uh, Walter Hoth, the public information officer, and uh, a few others who uh, were in position to know what was happening. Yeah, Glenn it's Dennis. These casual people, oh, I just happened to be in such and such a place for no known reason, and I heard two people talking about something super secret. Uh that has to be questioned, but uh, these guys were in critical positions.
2: Well, we do have a couple of questions about Roswell from posters at forum.theparacast.com. And um, I've got a, a series of questions here from one of our frequent posters, Blowfish. And he's interested if you ever interviewed any U.S. test pilots who may have been stationed in the Roswell area around the time of the event or sometime early or early after. Test pilots. Test pilots. Maybe somehow uh, tied in with White Sands, or
6: well, there there weren't the only test pilots around there would have worked for Convair in Fort Worth, I suppose. Yeah. And I never interviewed anybody who had been a test pilot in that period. I I met others who had been with that company later, but uh, right, and not them and. Problem Most is, of
2: that is, stuff was going on at, at Edwards uh, in China Lake. and
6: Yeah, well, the, the problem I've run into is that test pilots and, and really sharp aviation people like that, you have to get to know them. They have to get to know you yeah. before they talk. Uh, I can think of a couple of career Air Force pilots that I had known for 10 or 15 years and he suddenly said, "Did I ever tell you about my UFO sighting?" I said, "No, Chuck, you never did." He finally got to the point where he trusted me to uh, not to embarrass him.
2: No, no, you're not talking about the Chuck, are you?
6: Jaeger? Yeah, I wouldn't interview him for anything in the world. He's an idiot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is looked down upon
2: by every other test pilot I've ever met. Well, maybe that's why he didn't make the Mercury program.
6: <laughs> well, I don't know.
2: Well, but, here, here's uh, another question by Blowfish. He, he's wondering if any foreign spies were arrested prior to Roswell or just after. That's an interesting question. I've never heard uh, anyone uh, ever mention any sort of foreign operatives uh, possibly involved. Yeah.
6: Uh, I think it's a good question also. Uh, I have never looked into it. Hmm. I've got a friend who might be interested in looking into that. He's a longtime Pentagon correspondent.
2: Ah, well, Blowfish, uh, uh, you just may have uh, opened up a can of worms there.
6: Yeah, he's a troublemaker, isn't he?
2: Oh, he is. He's, and he's very good <laughs> at it. Here's another good question. He is wondering if there were any unusual murders within the military bases or outside in the surrounding area of Roswell. Any strange uh, deaths that occurred uh, to military personnel? Have you ever heard any uh, scuttlebutt about that? I, I personally haven't. I have not,
6: uh, and I think somebody would have mentioned it. We heard about a number of peculiar things that were said to have happened that ha- didn't seem to have any connection with the uh, Roswell crash. Uh, odd things happen here and there frequently, but uh, yeah. That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, that keeps you in business.
2: Uh, yeah, kind of makes you scratch your head so hard you start losing your hair.
6: Oh, that's why. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, no, I'd never heard about any unusual deaths. Other than, of course, that story that uh, the, the young man who worked for the funeral company, uh and who drove the base ambulance, told about uh, getting a call from Roswell asking about child-sized coffins. Right, caskets, yeah. What's that? Yeah, the uh, child-sized coffins. Yeah, yeah. And he couldn't get any explanation and said he never heard about any accidents involving the military uh, that uh, would have required... Very small coffins. It's uh, but uh, hmm. Well, you've raised some questions, good ones.
2: Yeah. Well, here's here's another question from Constance, who is a uh, a fairly recent uh, sign up at forum. But I'll tell you, she's been cranking out the uh, the posts. She's up to uh, eleven hundred posts uh, on the forum. <laughs> And a uh, very, very bright lady. I've known her uh, online for uh, you know 15 years, and I'm glad she's a member of our forum community. And she's uh, wondering, do you have a reliable list of the high-level military and government officials from Washington who were seen at the Roswell base in the days after the news release and then retraction? Also, of the presence uh, of significant scientists from Los Alamos and other nearby bases. And she says, thank you. And she wants to add how grateful we all should be, and I
1: am, for the immense amount of research you've accomplished concerning the UFO phenomenon. I don't want to rush you, Don, but we're going to have to do a break in about 20 seconds. So rather than do that, why don't you hold up the answer to whether we had these key figures present in the days after Roswell? And we'll get into that. Okay, we've got Don Berliner joining Gene and Chris. You're in the (laughs) Paracast.
7: C-N. Proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother in his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is
1: GCN.
8: a close you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's
18: 866-917-8335 question could too many gmo foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Life's getting better. Whoa! This is Okay. By popular
17: demand, the Freeze-Dry Guy's giant factory-authorized sale has been extended. Now through August, save 30 to 45% on number 10 cans of high-quality Mountain House freeze-dried foods from the Freeze-Dry Guy. Now is the time to stock up on all factory-fresh stock of the finest, best-tasting, longest-proven shelf-life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45%. But hurry, supplies are limited, so this sale is only through the end of August. Call 866-404-3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry! The giant factory authorized Mountain House sale with savings of 30 to 45% is extended through August. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage.
4: This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to The Paracast.
1: So we have Constance's question from forum.theparacast.com of Don Berliner. Your response, sir?
6: Well, I think she would be better off asking Friedman. He would have records of, of that sort of thing. I don't. Uh, of uh, important Washington people uh, who are seeing around Roswell um, immediately after the activity there, uh, and then I think subsequently denied it. I think that yeah. was part of her question. Uh,
2: I heard a rumor that Werner von Braun
6: was seen there. Oh, hey, okay. rumors? Oh, boy. It's <laughs> still two hours with rumors, uh, <laughs> none of which have panned out. But, see, you have to find more than the rumor. You've got to find right, of course. evidence for it, support. You know, unsupported theories are worthless
2: boy ain't that the truth
6: well we have uh,
2: some questions about your insistence on on the term uap and and how how the ufo term um it, it has really become detrimental i think to the field and um toxic surf one of our longtime posters uh, who doesn't post very often but when he does he asks good questions um he wants to know about the get getting rid of, of the term ufology and ufologists, which strongly imply that the collection of information and the subsequent subsequent study of it could constitute a science. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Well and uh it's awfully hard to change something that's as ingrained as that. I often thought that it would be wonderful to change the name of World War Two because that implies a continuing series of world wars. Yeah. <laughs> you want to try to change that one? Good luck. Uh, uh, and I think changing UFOs is, is a multi-year project. And uh, But it, it implies far too much. Uh, and I, I'm all in favor of changing it, but I go back and forth on it. Right. If I use UAP... It has to be in something I'm writing or talking about that is going to be consumed by somebody who knows what I'm talking about. Just to throw out UAP sightings is going to confuse a lot of people. So it's going to take time to get them used to that. And I think it will help once that happens. But it's not going to solve all the problems, of course.
2: Yeah. I've been trying to do that with the cattle mutilation term for years to try to to uh, change that to an unexplained livestock death or unusual livestock death, yeah. and boy, it, it, it just—I've been beating my head against a uh, brick wall about that one.
20: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. It's, because it's it is it not worth great. the effort. Yeah. Well, we have a a series of questions from Eric the Red, who's um, been posting at at forum.theparacast.com for the last year and a half. Again, he doesn't post very often, but when we have a guest like you, Don, he he and others come out of the woodwork with some good questions. And um, he has a bunch of them here, but uh, let's start with this one. As we all know, the establishment of intellectual culture, at least in the U.S., largely dismisses the legitimacy of ufological research. How do you propose then that we communicate the legitimacy of this research to potential allies in academia, in science,
6: and among thought leaders in general? Well, I, this I have given some thought to. I think the biggest barrier preventing us from getting the subject taken seriously by, in particular, the scientific community and the mainstream press, is the unjustified respect shown the results of Project Blue Book and the Condon Committee at the University of Colorado. Most people who would like to impress, like to convince, I guess, fall back on those two efforts as the most scientific work that's been done on the subject. And certainly, in some respect, they are. They they were big. They were well-financed. In the case of Colorado, they had some awfully good people involved, uh, not so much for Blue Book, but uh, the Air Force had the potential for doing a very good job. They didn't, but they could have. But what I would love to see is a reevaluation of all the cases collected by Blue Book and by the Colorado group, a reevaluation by a panel of scientists. Now, the Blue Book were just miscellaneous GIs, from what I can tell. And having been one of those at the, one time, I'm not impressed. But uh, if it's done by scientists, entirely by scientists, then other scientists are going to pay attention to it. Right, and there's some gravitas uh, there. Scientists don't listen to you. They don't listen to me. They don't listen to anybody but other scientists, right. by and large. But it's, it's going to be a very expensive project. Yeah. Uh I would think half million
2: anyway. Yeah. Well, and, do you have any guess as to how widespread is the belief in commercial and military piloting that there is a real and unexplained reality behind UFOs? You've covered aviation for decades yeah. and written quite a number of books on aviation. And and how widespread is the belief in the uh the pilot community?
6: Well, I don't know how it is today because it's not a common topic of conversation because UFOs or UABs are not in the news every day. But back when things were hot, back in the 60s in particular, it was very common. Uh, I went down to Miami one time and among other things, got a demonstration of their latest flight simulator. These are amazing contraptions they are so realistic that i've heard that some veteran captains have gotten airsick on them and they they they're parked in a hangar anyway i wanted to talk to these guys about uh, this uh, flight simulator they wanted to talk about ufo's because they knew of my interest and i run into that in other places they're there they these are the people Airline pilots and military pilots who will see UFOs if there is any such thing. Uh, If they don't see them, then there probably isn't any such thing because they're up there. And moreover, they've seen all kinds of odd things up there, and they no longer get excited by weather balloons and lenticular clouds and and, uh, fireball meteors and that sort of thing. They're routine. To veteran pilots. Right. And so when a veteran pilot says, you know, this was totally different from anything I've ever seen, you have to sit up and take notice. But I say, I I don't cover that scene these days. uh, And uh, I I don't know to what extent they talk about it. But I'll give you an example. One of these career Air Force pilots I made some reference to before, and the one I called Chuck, He had told me about his sighting, which was very impressive, involved a dozen highly trained officers, airborne radar and ground radar. And when he was finished, I said, listen, you ever talk to your fellow Air Force pilots about this sort of thing? He said, sure. And I said, do you ever encounter one who has had, I forget the exact language I use, but this is close, a comparably impressive experience? And he looked me right in the eye and said, I rarely run into one who hasn't. Whoa. Uh, And so, uh, and they say, if these things are up there, these are the guys are going to see them.
2: Yeah. And they're career killers. uh, If you talk about them,
6: well, uh, they're afraid to find out if they're career killers. So uh, if I ever write that up, and even though Chuck's gone, I don't know that I'll use his name even. Yeah, you know. uh, but we did. He didn't ask me not to, and so I-, I could without any qualms. But I'm not sure I would. But uh, yeah, this is the sort of thing you would expect those guys to talk about. Uh, yeah. You don't talk about an absolutely re- routine flight you just finished. Uh, that's
1: not very interesting. You know what's interesting is that we have another segment left with Don Berliner joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
7: Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. G.C.
8: What good is a Big Berkey water filter?
9: We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water.
11: How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy. Because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of eight or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615, 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com.
6: Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast,
1: the gold standard of paranormal radio. Don Berliner is joining us with Gene and Chris on the Paracast, answering listener questions posted at forum.theparacast.com in a place we call the Question Bank. When we have enough warning of a guess. And sometimes we only know within hours we post the segment there. Chris, any more questions for this final segment?
2: Yeah, we've got a bunch, done. You brought them out of the woodwork. We're not going to be able to get to everybody. But Eric the Red has another uh, interesting question here that um, might give us a little bit of an insight of what your thinking is now uh, decades into uh, this interest in UFOs or UAPs. And he asks, on a scale of 1 to 10, one being uh, certainty that there's nothing to this phenomenon, ten being certainty that there is. How convinced are you that there is something real and non-human in origin uh, behind this phenomenon? And could you explain your thinking?
6: Uh, Yeah. Short of seeing proof, meaning hardware or verifiable government reports or verifiable photographs that really show something, I'm convinced uh put me at eight or nine on that okay. scale. And uh, uh, moving from where I am to being absolutely convinced is, is a big step. And I'm getting tired of not taking it. But I can't honestly do that until I have more. Yeah. It would
2: be nice if one landed on the White House lawn and uh, maybe anal-probed uh, you know,
1: some of the White House staffers or something. You know, before we go on with that question, and the implications are fascinating, we can also include Congress. Don, what kind of evidence do you need to make the leap?
6: Well, as I said, physical proof would be the best. No. Uh, material that is absolutely not terrestrial. And not just because it doesn't look familiar to me, uh, I'm not an expert in materials, but it has to be determined by specialists in the field, metallurgists. And uh, it has to be so different, not just a slight variation on something familiar. It has to be completely different. That would be the best. Uh, That or... Good, detailed photographs of not so much materials, maybe a complete craft, but bodies. And photographs whose origins were clear and who would being backed up by testimony of trustworthy people. Right, and, and evidence we, trained. We've had everything up to that, and we've had offers or claims of that, all of that that have turned out to be dust.
1: Is there a reason you think why we always seem to get to the 75th percentile here, that we never get all the way with the evidence we need to prove UFO reality?
6: I don't think there's just one reason. I think the government has done a marvelous job of keeping us from it. Uh, I once did a paper for a MUFON conference on a hypothetical crash retrieval system for the government, how it would go about investigating a report of a crash and, and keeping everything quiet. And uh, it became pretty complicated uh, and not guaranteed to work every time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe the next time one of them crashes, a, uh, a network TV news team gets there first. And films it all in situ and uh, grabs some of it and gets it to laboratories, you know. Yeah, and then gets then. the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, but, uh, oh, I think uh, probably the aliens have something to do with it. I've often wondered why, if it was an alien craft that crashed at Roswell, the aliens didn't recover it themselves.
1: Yeah. Yes, I always think, in terms of Roswell, still the possibility it was really some kind of military experimental craft. And the rest is just due to the memories and the cultural impact of the UFO mystery upon the public and sci fi films.
6: Well, you know, I, I have had long, long talks with Dr. Jesse Marcel, son of the intelligence officer. And uh, he saw wreckage uh that his father brought back from the crash site and he could describe it in considerable detail and the details didn't vary from one conversation to the next so he i don't see that he was influenced uh by much of anything there uh but uh yeah sure uh, all memories are contaminated to some extent i suppose and so uh but I say I, I think there are a number of elements in, in involved in our failure to come up with proof. Uh, but part of it is that, uh, to my knowledge, there's no setup in MUFON or anywhere else to get a team of really top-notch people to a crash site rapidly yeah. with equipment Uh and maybe beat the feds to it uh i'm afraid that's going to happen and and we won't do anything about
2: it well if it does happen it's robert bigelow and we'll never see or hear the light of day of the event (laughs) yeah what do you Uh, think of calaris the calaris uh, uh cases in the end of the 70s down in the mouth of the amazon in brazil and operation saucer uh and the brazilian air forces uh efforts to get to the bottom of of some pretty horrific uh, accounts of people being zapped by what appeared to be some sort of particle beam weapons. Are you familiar with uh, with the Claris case, and, and do you think that that constitutes the type of case that would be slam dunk evidence of something out there who are coming and in, interacting with us? In a,
6: I, I'm not really familiar with it, except in very general terms. And the South American case has always bothered us at NICAP because people there were reporting things that people from other parts of the world weren't, uh,
12: that doesn't mean they weren't
6: happening. Uh, we don't know what the aliens are up to, uh, if anything. And so they, they may treat one part of the world differently from another. Uh, but, uh, again, we, we would need proof of these things. And, uh, but nobody, is, to my knowledge, is set up to go tearing down there every time somebody claims something potentially interesting. Right. Uh, again, it's a a funding problem, and uh, you know, last minute airline tickets are expensive, and and people usually can't get away on such short notice. And but I think we need a a rapid response team made up of really good people, and ex- if not highly experienced, they practice a lot, and so as, as national disaster teams do. I haven't really thought this through, but uh, we need some kind of a rapid response system so that uh, we can get people to the scene before it's all trampled by
1: tourists. Right. Uh, We'd also probably need billionaires like Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or Paul Allen to do it. Listen, Don Berliner, we're just about out of time. Do you have any place online where people can find out more about you?
6: No, I'm not involved in any of the social media or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> I joined Facebook and then couldn't remember why.
1: Uh, and I so, think that applies uh, to about 50 million people. <laughs> uh,
6: but uh, if people really want to get in touch with me, they can. I, I live in Alexandria, Virginia.
1: So there's a clue. Okay. And by the way, the other way of it, of course, if you write us at the Paracast will we'll yeah. possibly give it to him in terms of finding people you can find the Paracast on Twitter speaking of social networks we're known as the Paracast the Paracast on Twitter there are two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook talk about being too much Chris O'Brien's site is OurStrangePlanet.com his latest book Stalking the Herd if you buy a copy from his site he'll sign and he'll number them how about that Don Berliner, glad to meet you. Thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks for for being on, Don. It's been a real honor to have you on the show.
6: Well, I've enjoyed it, and I'm glad I decided to do it. So are we. (laughs) Yep, we are.
0: (laughs) The Paracast.